Welcome to Full Circle with Jerry Bryant. It's the classic Jesus music radio show. It's a look back at where it all began. This is Full Circle, looking back at the beginnings of today's contemporary Christian music. Now, here's your host, Jerry Bryant. Hi, everybody. This is Jerry Bryant. Welcome to another edition of Full Circle, the classic Jesus music radio show, where I'm taking you back to where it all began. And I have a very special guest that I've been looking forward to hearing from for a long time now. Her name is Amy Grant. And I was actually going to interview her back in 2014, but things just didn't work out at the time. This summer, I had the chance to catch up with what some have referred to as the queen of Christian pop. But I just know her as the young girl I first met over 40 years ago. Amy and I had a great time discussing her journey in Christian music over the past 43 years. In fact... I have enough material for two shows, so this will be the first of two episodes where I explore the music and the memories of Amy Grant. For those of you who don't know, Amy was first offered a recording contract five weeks before her 16th birthday. She got to that place purely as a divine appointment. She had simply made a demo tape of some of the songs she had written as a gift for her parents. While her producer and youth group leader Brown Bannister was making a copy of the tape, Chris Christian, the owner of the recording studio where Brown worked, heard the demo and called Word Records. He played it over the phone, and the rest is history. That history includes 15 studio albums, 6 holiday albums, 4 live albums, 6 Grammys, 22 Dove Awards, and... Amy had the first Christian album to go platinum in 1982. Here's the final product of one of those songs that Amy recorded for her parents. It was written by Brown Bannister, and it comes from her debut self-titled album, Looking Back to 1976, Mountaintop.
Mountaintop, Amy Grant. This is Full Circle, and I'll be sharing some music and memories of Amy Grant. Amy was born in Augusta, Georgia, and is the youngest of four sisters. At the age of seven, her parents moved to Nashville, where she and her family attended Belmont Church under pastor and family friend Don Fento. The church had started the Koinonia Coffee House as an outreach, and that's where Amy got some of her first gigs, cutting her teeth for what was to come in a way she could never have expected from such humble beginnings. There were a number of other artists who played the coffee house, which Amy got to know over the years, and they also went on to record their own material. They included her producer's band, Homecoming, Fireworks with Marty McCall, Dogwood, Don Francisco, the Pat Terry Group, Bruce Carroll, Michael Card, Billy Sprague, Pam Mark Hall, Rob Frazier, Rich Mullins, and Michael W. Smith. July 25, 2019, the city of Nashville commemorated Belmont Church and the Koinonia Coffee House with a historic marker. My special guest, Amy Grant, and her friend, Michael W. Smith, presided over the commencement. With a song that was written by both Amy and Brown Bannister that certainly seems to reflect one of Pastor Don's sermons, here's Faith Walking People. Today 
My guest, Amy Grant, on Full Circle. It's so good to be with you again. It's been a long time, and I'm one of the old guys that can say I first interviewed you when you were 19 years old. Mm, I'm one of the old gals. You're one of the old gals. (laughs) We've seen a lot, haven't we? We have. Things have changed, but he hasn't changed. And that's why we keep doing this. Keep telling people about his love through music and, and actually the testimony of our lives because people are always watching, always watching. And so when we walk in love and it reflects in our life and in our music, then I know we're accomplishing what we were put here for. So I want to ask you, um, when you first came into the early Jesus music of yesteryear, was it because of something that uh, happened in a church service? Were you raised a Christian? Were you involved in music at the time? Because we all know about the history of Koinonia in the bookstore in those early days. But what happened before that? Well, my childhood, um, we didn't, I don't even think we owned any gospel records. You know, my dad loved music, but we had the Kingston Trio early Stevie Wonder, Frank Sinatra. (laughs) I mean, that's kind of what I grew up on. Um, And then I have three older sisters. And and what I remember is just the music, you know, pulsating through the walls um, of our bedrooms. The Beatles, you know, early Elton John, James Taylor, Carol King. Well, that sort of coincided by the time I was in high school with um, discovering Koinonia Bookstore and Coffee Shop. And so I guess I was, you know, I mean, I was a teenager before I knew anything about um, contemporary Christian music and the stuff coming out of Southern California. Did you ever hear an artist that played Jesus music that stimulated any interest at that time? Or you just started on your own? No, no, I did. Um, I, I was good friends with the Finto family, Don Finto. Their youngest daughter, Helen, was a friend of mine. She's a couple years older, but we sort of just, you know, discovered friendship um, when I was in high school because my older sisters came back from going to school in the Boston area and found Belmont Church. They just discovered it along with a lot of other people. And uh, our family had known the Fintos for a long time. But it was really through Belmont Church, Koinonia, and then the every Saturday night performance of a local band called Dogwood that I started going, this is pretty amazing, you know, this music and lyrics that helped me with my faith journey. Let's kind of go back to the 70s and 80s, mm-hmm. and we can think about some songs that were showstoppers, that were pivotal songs for you. And... You can either reflect on the song or how it came or maybe what the real meaning of it is. And I know you've done this so many times, but there's a lot of songs. I have no idea what you're going to pull out of the hat. (laughs) Well, the first one I'll pull out of the hat is Old Man's Rebel from the first album. And the Imperials covered it a few years after the release. But what do you remember and what do you want to say about that song? Well, Brown Bannister wrote that song. And I, oh gosh, Jerry, I would just be making it up if I tried to say what we were thinking or feeling during that time. But Brown was also part of the recently graduated from college leadership of the high school group. 
that I was a part of at Belmont Church. And so I'm sure it was just a lot of Don Finto sermons repackaged. Um, yeah, that's I, I look at that early songwriting and uh, whether it was Brown or myself or some of the other people that went to Belmont Church and is so heavily influenced by Don's teaching. Are you living in an old man's rubble? Are you listening to the father of lies? Are you walking with unnecessary burdens? Are you trying to take them upon yourself? If you are, then you're bondage and you know that's bad for your spiritual health and are you trying to live by your emotions are you putting your faith in what you feel and see then you're living just to satisfy your passions and you better be careful because you're being deceived are you living in an old man's trouble are you listening to the father of
Would you consider the song, I Know Better Now, a testimony song? I think that the way we are wired, that there's something consistent about it through our lives. Um, sure. I mean, every song I've written is a testimony song. It's just something about my life experience. But once in a blue moon, I will find myself singing that lyric when I'm in a situation that I go, how did I wind up here? How in the world did this happen? And no matter what I might look like on the outside, seasoned, whatever, on the inside going, okay, I just, this does not all add up. And maybe feeling, I don't know, like in over my head or, and, and, and then I'll think about that song and I'll laugh and go, well, some things just never change. <laughs> but we have a God that just kind of dropped on us unexpectedly in that generation very similar to some of the situations we have now. Um, a lot of restlessness, confusion, looking for identity. And then something happened where all of a sudden young people were singing songs about Jesus, going to coffee houses. Um, you didn't expect to be thrust in the middle of all this at the beginning, did you? Of course not, no. I just was moved by what moved me. And I was young in my faith, I was young in my life, and music for me has always been, it's just always been a lifeline. You know, it's the quickest way to feel connected to myself, to what I believe, to God. I mean, whether it's an old church hymn or just some thing that I randomly start singing in the morning that feels honest, that I never think of again. You know, I know it may seem like we're waxing nostalgic. In some ways, we're waxing nostalgic to talk about the days 
that are all gone by, but it really changed our lives, and it changes so many people's lives even now. When I play a song that you recorded so long ago, and someone says, I remember where I was. I was dating, and I went to church, and this song really impacted me, and, and I think that God has used it to bring people back to a memory. Maybe a first love. Or I want to be where I used to be. I'm not there. And so I just think God has um, a reason for keeping these things current. Also, we might even lose our history if we don't keep talking occasionally about it and playing the old songs. Because you don't have a station that plays the classics like you do in secular music. And people don't even know who a Keith Green was, or maybe they've not heard about a second chapter of Axe or Dogwood. So you're helping to keep it alive. Does that bother you that you have to go back and, like on your tour, they want to hear the old songs, don't they? Well, in, in an evening of music, I, I just sort of cherry-pick songs all through the decades, you know, four decades of making music. And I get it that people want to hear old songs. I'm that way when I go hear an artist that I fell in love with as a teenager. I'll think, oh, I hope they play that old song. You know, so I, I understand that. And, um, and I agree with you that music does remind us of an earlier version of ourselves. We're not quite so road-weary or <laughs> creaky. <laughs> Things don't stretch out as well as they used to, including vocal cords. Well... Amy still seems to be in good voice these days. Here with a song that she and her producer, Brown Bannister, wrote from her second album, My Father's Eyes. There will never be another on Full Circle. Hold me, mold me there. 
Looking back to 1979, Amy Grant, with her producer Brown Bannister, adding some nice vocal harmony to that love song to the Lord, one of my favorites. Hey, this is Amy Grant. I hope you're enjoying the classics. Jesus Music on Full Circle. If you're just joining me, Amy Grant is my special guest on this episode of Full Circle. Now, before I return to my visit with Amy, I'd like to ask if you'd consider supporting this unique programming of classic Jesus music of a bygone era. Songs like you're hearing are the legacy of where today's CCM evolved. My assignment is to bring back the memories every week on a number of radio stations, internet outlets, as well as episodes you can hear on apps like iHeartRadio and Tune in radio, Roku, even downloadable at the iTunes Store, Google Play, or from my website, www.fullcirclejesusmusic.com. Your one time financial gift or monthly support would really be appreciated if you go to my website at www.fullcirclejesusmusic.com. You'll see a donation button up at the top. All gifts are tax-deductible through Giving Fuel. Thanks. Getting back to the heart of the matter on Full Circle with Jerry Bryant. I'll now return to my conversation with Amy, in which we talked about the first tour she did with a full band. And it was not just any run-of-the-mill touring musicians or band, as you will hear. I go back a ways where we first met, you had just come out, I think, with your sophomore album. You were just about to become a sophomore at Vanderbilt. That's how far back we go. Mm-hmm. I got on the phone one day and interviewed a guy, a couple guys, DeGarmo and Key from Memphis, and they said, we're scared to death because we've never done a radio interview with anyone yet. But in 81, you went out on tour. They were actually the backup band, weren't they? They were. Can you reflect on any of those great days? We sure do miss... Dana, I mean, what a loss, but that group, they sold out probably my only concert in Carbondale, Illinois, back a few years ago. Tell us a little bit about a memory with DeGarmo and Key. 
Well, the first time I ever toured was with the DeGarmo and Key Band. So it was uh, Ed DeGarmo on organ. The drummer was Greg Morrow, and uh, Mike Brignardello was on bass, and of course, and then Ed and Dana. And do you know, I am now touring again with Greg Morrow and Mike Brignardello. So I know. I think Mike was kind of off and on with the band, but he was on when I was with them. I was in my late teens, and nothing about my life had prepared me for living on a bus with a bunch of guys. You know, I'm the youngest of four girls. <laughs> and they were just a bunch of seasoned musicians. And I remember there was some game that was really popular at the time, and they would just sequester themselves in the back lounge of the bus and just play and play and play that game. And I had, you know, I had I took out a few extra background singers, and I think my college roommate was the tour manager, and we were just young and enthusiastic. And um, what I, I think what I remember the most was getting love advice from Ed DeGarmo. And um, I'm not sure how all that turned out. <laughs> I don't know that you can advise another person on that. And then, um, and also it was a stretch for them because they were, you know, they were soulful and edgy from Memphis. And I was, you know, probably a little more middle of the road artistically. But they, you know, they played some of my songs that were just, you know, I was not much more than a kid. And so my songs were not sophisticated musically or probably, you know, ideologically. But, um, yeah, but those friendships have, have lasted a lifetime. God puts those kind of people in our lives. And, and I, I've talked to a lot of bands who traveled with somebody like a Larry Norman or um, someone who went on to become a name, so to speak. But those early bonds never change. And just on a side note, the bass player of the backup band, Mike Brigandello, that Amy just mentioned, was just hired by Eddie and Dana to fill in as a temporary bass player for the group while they were looking for a permanent bass player. And Mike was trying to establish himself as a studio musician, take some road gigs on the side, rather than being a member of the group. Well, Mike did end up as one of the most sought-after studio bass players in Nashville for both Christian and country artists. Many of those he's recorded with have been featured on this show, including David Meese, Veron Farrell, Michael W. Smith, Kathy Tricoli, Stephen Curtis Chapman, and too many more to name in the time that I have. But here's a couple of songs from that live tour with DeGarmo and Key who kicked it up a notch, musically speaking, and sparked some controversy among those only familiar with Amy's acoustic performances up until this point in her career.
Hi, this is Amy Grant, and we're looking back to the beginning of today's CCM.
This is Jerry Bryant. And you've just heard a couple of tracks from the 1981 release, In Concert, Volume 2. The last song being Nobody Loves Me Like You. A duet she did with the late Dana Key, which was originally released a year earlier on the Garmon Key's album called This Ain't Hollywood. Now there's a guy I'm missing, Dana Key, from the D&K band. One of the most generous souls in early CCM. He often made way for new artists on his tours, just like Amy did for DNK on hers. There are so many stories how Eddie and Dana from the DNK band would actually underwrite and financially support a new band trying to get a start. Dana had a pastor's heart, and he was always looking out for folks needing a little encouragement. Actually, I hope you're finding some encouragement on this interview show with Amy Grant, my special guest. Once again, a gentle reminder that if you'd like to support this radio ministry, simply go to www.fullcirclejesusmusic.com. That's fullcirclejesusmusic.com. And up at the top of the webpage, there's a donate button, and anything that you give, whether it's monthly or just even a one-time gift, whether it's large or small. It's all tax-deductible. So, how do you do it? Well, first of all, pray for us. Pray that God will use this show in a unique way, open up doors that haven't been opened yet, so that more people can hear. Financially underwrite the program. Do your friend a favor and help them get linked to the radio program through our website at www. FullCircleJesusMusic.com That's FullCircleJesusMusic.com You can also tell them to listen on a radio app such as iHeartRadio or TuneIn Radio, Roku. You can download the show from Google Play, the iTunes Store, and at my website at www.FullCircleJesusMusic.com We can also connect through the Facebook page, Full Circle Jesus Music, and I'll send out an email blast to everyone who signs up. So many ways to be connected. So get involved. Full Circle Jesus Music with Jerry Bryant. Thanks. Full Circle. Full Circle. Full Circle. I spoke with Amy about her recent touring. And here's what she had to say about that. Well, I've, I've never stopped touring. I'm sort of a weekend warrior now as opposed to touring the way I used to been a while since I've had new music out and this is honestly a really big year for our family we have uh, a daughter getting married in the spring that just happened a daughter graduating from high school and going to college and a daughter graduating in the I mean getting married in the fall so after this year I'm going to take a big dismount from the high bars <laughs> and get back to recording music because um, it is fun to listen to old songs, but I think also our journey of faith, you know, our perspective changes with time. And I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to writing some, some things from this perspective. Rising gently on your fields 
Amy Grant, from her 1984 album, Straight Ahead, with the song Doubly Good to You, written by the late Rich Mullins. I asked Amy to share some of her memories about Rich, and especially the song Sing Your Praise to the Lord, which was the first of a number of songs Amy recorded of his over the years. Well, there are some things that never change singing our praises to the Lord and I do want us to reflect on the life of the late Rich Mullins mm-hmm. and how that song uh-huh. was really a part of the opening of your act four years later uh, it was supporting of his debut album how did you find the song and, and tell me about some memories you have with Rich I, I think one, a friend of Rich one of Rich's friends sent that song to Mike Blanton I was going to school. I was at Vanderbilt. I walked to the management office, Mike Blanton and Dan Harrell. Uh, we were looking for songs. I was writing some, but I was also a full-time student. 
So they, of course, were soliciting material from outside writers. And Mike said, I can't wait for you to hear this one. And we were just sitting around a, not a fancy, just laminated conference room table. And that song came on. And by the end of the song, by the time it does that big crescendo, I think I was standing on the table. (laughs) Just like, wow, this is awesome. And it had everything to do with how that, just the building of it, also intersected with my own experience just of the what felt like the explosion of joy and gratitude and over discovering the love of God and what that meant not only for me but for everyone and then I met Rich that year and we wound up writing together but like most writing sessions a writing session is really an opportunity for intentional conversation if you want to have something to write about you just take turns kind of telling your story your immediate story what's going on in your life something about your childhood I mean it's really it's a great opportunity for conscious conversation is the only way I know how to say it it's made me really bad at small talk because I'm spoiled by that Rich and I toured in the 80s and after he passed Someone from his family came and they said, we want to give you a photograph that Rich had enlarged and um, put on a poster board. And they said, it's kind of the only thing we can find that he was proud of it. I don't guess he kept his awards around, but it was our names on the marquee of Radio City Music Hall. And I still have that poster. Yeah, I just, I found Rich to be always surprisingly awkwardly honest and he could just you know he just cut through all the bs culturally spiritually in the religious community all of it and that was always interesting (laughs) from 1986 to 1997 rich mullins went on to record 11 studio albums and one musical, and saw 20 chart-topping singles from the projects he released, most notably the number one song, Awesome God, which quickly became a staple worship hymn in many churches throughout the country. Rich and his friend Mick McVicker were traveling southbound on I-39 north of Bloomington, Illinois, where they were going to do a benefit concert at Wichita State University in Kansas. They lost control of their Jeep and were not wearing seatbelts. Only McVicker, who was seriously injured, survived. So here to close out this episode of Full Circle, that great song penned by the late Rich Mullins, encouraging us to sing our praises to the Lord.
everybody stand up and sing one more hallelujah give me praise to the lord i can never tell you just how much good that is gonna do you just to sing anew the song your heart learned to sing when he first gave his life to you the life goes on and so must the song you gotta sing again the song born in your soul when you first gave your heart Were before you heard the song, you gotta let them know the truth is alive to shine upon the way, so maybe they can go sing your praises once more. Sing your praise to the Lord. Come on, everybody, stand up and sing one more. Hallelujah, give your praise to the Lord. I can never tell you just how much good it's gonna do you. Thanks for joining me. You'll be hearing more music and memories from Amy Grant on my next episode of Full Circle. Until then, keep your eyes to the sky and let your light shine. Full Circle is recorded in the Jesus Solid Rock Studios in Nashville, Tennessee. Written by Russell Baum. Full Circle is a JSR production. This is Full Circle.